a father's wise advice. My children, listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment. For I am giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instructions. For I too was once my father's son, tenderly loved as my mother's only child. My father taught me, take my words to heart, follow my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her, and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will place a lovely wreath on your head. She will present you with a beautiful crown. My children, listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. When you walk, you won't be held back. When you run, you won't stumble. Take hold of my instructions. Don't let them go. Guard them, for they are the key to life. Don't do as the wicked do, and don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving. The evil people can't sleep until they've done their evil deed for the day. They can't rest until they've caused someone to stumble. They eat the food of the wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The way of righteousness is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they are stumbling over. My children, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to the whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Amen. Um, so Jenny is going to come and speak to us now, but as she does that, it would be great to pray for her quickly. Uh, so, uh, Lord, we um, 
We thank you for Jenny. We thank you for the preparation and the time she spent talking to you about uh, what she's going to be speaking to us about today. Um, and uh, we want to pray two things. One for us, that you open our ears and our hearts to hear what you're saying to us from this. And one for Jenny, that you just give her confidence and boldness to share what you've put on her heart for us. Amen. Good morning, everybody. I start with a slight apology. We found out in the prayer time just before the service that the children have got wisdom pizza this morning. So I'm sorry there's no wisdom pizza for you guys in here. Um, we're going to be talking about the verse uh, towards the end of that chapter that Anna read, which says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now, if I turn my clicker on, hopefully this will work. Yes, perfect. Great. So the first thing I want to say is that um, this is one of those occasions where someone stands up to speak and they say, I'm preaching as much to myself as I am to any of you. So I feel like this is something that I don't do very well a lot of the time. So I don't want any sense of, oh, someone's standing up talking about God in your heart. They must have it all sorted and they do a really great job. That is completely the opposite, really, of, of how I feel anyway about it. So I found it really helpful and really challenging to prepare this and think about this. And I feel like God said a lot to me about things that I could do differently, things that I could um, think about. So hopefully um, you'll receive it in that and there won't be any kind of worry that there's a way of doing this that means you've got it all sorted and I have that all together. So what do we mean when we say the heart what are we supposed to be guarding? And I think for us, we often think just about emotions. In our, in our concept, in our language, heart is all about emotion. But actually, the concept in the Hebrew is, is much broader than that. It's not just about the seat of emotions. It's about these three things. It's about them. Oh, these three things. Oh, no. It's, it's died. I'll... That may be Andy. Thanks, Andy. Um, I'll try and be clear if I want anything specific on the screen going forwards, but we'll see how it goes. Oh, I was so hopeful that it was working. Never mind. Um, so yes, these three things. So it's about the mind, and it's about our emotions, and it's about our desires. So it's about what we think about, what we feel, and what we want. And... Guarding each of those things may look a bit different, but it's they're each really important for us to think about. And um, a lot of you will be familiar with John Mark Comer, who used to be a pastor over in America. He's now um, working for an organization called Practicing the Way, which is all about spiritual formation. He writes a lot about that. And he talks about spiritual formation being a process of curating your inner world so if you think of like a museum curator, I've struggled with that word this week, curator, they will look at artifacts, they will judge what's value that we want to have in our museum, what's actually insignificant or actually not important at all. Um, and they will make the judgment as to what is in the museum or not in the museum. And so he talks about the way that we deal with our inner world being like that. 
we judge what is of value to have in that inner space and what is not important or what should be kept out. And so guarding our heart becomes very much about internal world and not primarily about our external behavior. And sometimes that can be very obvious. I think often when we think about guarding our heart, I think of things like um, what effect does watching violent TV shows have on me? And that kind of quite obvious thing, obvious link perhaps to um, what we see, what we look at, and then what effect that has on us. But I think as well, there's a lot of subtlety to this. So it's not just those big things where maybe our brains go to first. I think we often miss a lot of the subtleties of what's really going on inside us. So I was thinking about things like, if I have a lot of insecurity in my inner world, that plays out in a whole load of different ways in my outer world. So it might mean that I put other people down because I'm a bit insecure that they might be better than me, so I'll be dismissive of other people. Or it might mean that um, I exaggerate my own skills or qualifications to make myself feel better and more secure. Or it might mean that I um, exhibit signs of perfectionism or workaholism to try and earn my way and make sure that I feel secure. So there's, I think there's a lot of subtleties about this which makes it very difficult to actually do well. Um, Andy, if we could have the next one, maybe you might need to click it twice. Yeah, next one. Thank you. And in fact, the next one. So why do we need to guard our hearts? So in that verse, in different versions, it, it gives the reason. So in the version that Anna read in the New Living, it says, uh, guard your heart above all else because it determines the course of your life. So the inner world is so important because actually it will affect what path we're on, where we go, where we end up, what we focus on. That's determined by our inner world. Other translations talk more in terms of everything you do flows from it or from your heart flows the springs of life. And Jesus talks about it too. Let me find the verses that I've brought out. So in Luke chapter 6, Jesus says that a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. So the good heart produces the good things in the external world. He says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, for example. So what we say comes out of the reality of our inner world. So if we feel insecure, that will mean we will say things from that insecure place. Jesus also highlights in Matthew 5 that it's been said before in the law, do not murder. But Jesus says, I tell you, don't get angry. If you get angry with someone in your inner world, that is the same as the murder in the external world, which seems so extreme to us, but actually makes that point again, that this is not about external behavior management. This is not about being better in the outer world. This is about inner transformation, which is in some ways all the harder to grasp hold of what that means, but it is the most important thing. And next slide, please, Andy. The why we need to is because there's a deceiver. So the Bible's very clear that there's someone actively trying to lead us astray. You think of the Garden of Eden with the snake who's actively trying to get Eve to go on a different path to the path that God has for us. 
And he prowls around, it says in the New Testament, he prowls around looking for someone to devour. And we'll come back to that concept later. But it's so important. It's not, if we don't pay attention to guarding our heart, it's not that our heart will remain in its current state. It will be um, affected by everything. And if we're not consciously guarding it and consciously curating that inner world, then it will tend to, towards chaos. Um, I remember Paul Taylor used to use that image of being on an escalator. And if you're on a, let me get this right, if you're standing, going up a down escalator, so, and you're standing still, you'll be going backwards because the escalator will be going backwards and you have to put in the intentional effort to be climbing up the steps to move forward. So next slide, Andy. I've put a bit of thought into why we don't guard our heart, why we might not. And I found this quite challenging. I've come up with a bit of a list. I'm not sure what would be on yours. But um, I feel like all of these apply to me at some time or other. Um, I feel like we don't want to miss out is a reason. So if I'm guarding my heart, that probably means I'm going to need to say no to things. I'm going to choose to do things differently to the people around me. So maybe I don't want to miss out on what they can do or what they choose to spend time on or think about. Uh, Next one, we think about pride. We think we know best. Like Eve in the garden, she used her own judgment and thought, oh, the fruit looks good and it's going to be good to get wisdom. Even though God said, that's not the right way, that's not the best way, but I think it and I'm going to take it. How often do I think, oh yeah, I'm sure some people would have an issue with this, but I'm sure I can handle it. It won't affect me. The pride that we are unwilling to submit to correction. There's a lot in Proverbs about um, being willing to submit to discipline and correction. So how willing am I? Often not willing enough. Um, Maybe we don't fully realize how important it is. Maybe we kind of dismiss it a bit, think it's a little bit touchy-feely for us or a bit too wishy-washy. And it might feel like it's over the top. It seems very dramatic. Guard your heart above all else because it determines the course of your life. Well, surely, surely my skills determine the course of my life. Surely my ability to do my job or surely my family and relationships, that will determine the course of my life. Well, no, the Bible's saying actually the inner world determines that. So maybe it seems over the top to us. Um, I think I can often think I'm guarding my heart, but actually I'm not very doing a very good job and not being very effective at it. Um, and sometimes that's because I just don't know how. how. I don't know. How do you handle these kinds of things? Um, I'm sure some of us are more naturally able to be sort of self-reflective and understand what's going on. We're more willing to be open to thinking about these sorts of things. And some of us may have had more experience and more modeling in our upbringing or with our family relationships that have equipped us better. Um, but I think often we just don't really know how to do this. Um, and linked to that, we just don't, often I feel like I'm so unaware of what's really going on in there anyway, um, that I just don't even think what might need to be addressed. And finally, it's hard work. Why don't we do it? It's so hard. It's really hard work. There's a constant bombardment from the world of all the stuff that's kind of trying to get into our inner world. And it's so hard to guard it all the time and be constantly looking at what's going on. So that's a few things about why we don't. Maybe you've got others that you would add to that list. But let's think about how we might go about guarding our hearts. So next one, Andy. 
we have a little meerkat. Nice little cute. I spent a little time yesterday looking at some meerkat photos. It was very cute. Um, but this is in some of the versions of this verse. It, talk, it uses the word vigilance. So in the ESV and in the message version, it talks about keeping a vigilant watch. And with meerkats, there's always in the group, there's always one that's at the highest point and looking on behalf of the whole group, but just kind of looking out, what, where's the danger coming from? What's going on? What can I see? And so there's that sense of trying to be constantly aware of what's going on. But I think if you'd asked me before I'd done some of this thinking for today, what guarding my heart might look like, I think I would have thought purely in terms of what do I keep out of my heart? So I often, yeah, think, okay, I don't want to think about X, or I'm not going to watch these sorts of things on television, or these sorts of films, or whatever it might be. I'm going to keep stuff out. But actually, I think it's as much about keeping things, uh, letting the right things in, as keeping the right things out. And I was thinking of, um, I went for work to a government building in Wales for a training session, and... It was a lot more secure than I was expecting. So I'd had to have my name on the list to come in. I had to bring my ID. I then had to go through a metal detector, which I hadn't been expecting. And it just, made, it just reminded me of that, that actually they are guarding that, that space. And I was allowed in because I had the right ID. I, had, I didn't have anything dangerous with me, though I was slightly worried about the fork I'd brought for my lunch. But they let me in with a fork, which was good. But uh, do you know what I mean? It's, it's not just keeping out, but making sure that the right things can get in. It's not shut up your heart or wall it up, block it in some way. It's guard it and let the right things come in. So how do we do that? I, again, I've come up with a few ideas, and there'll be many, many more. And it's the sort of thing that's really helpful if we can talk to each other about and actually share ideas and think, well, actually, I find it helpful to think about it like this, or this is a tactic that I use. So do share that with those around you if you can. But um, I like a quote from Samuel Johnson, who is, um, you might have heard his name in connection with the dictionaries. Um, he was in the 1700s, but he said that people need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. So I'm not standing here with some brand new information for you saying, here's some new ideas you've never thought of before. Mostly this will be reminders of what we know already. And that's often so much more useful because we just forget. There's always new things to think about and we kind of don't put things into practice and we just need to be called back to the good things that we already know. So how can we guard our hearts? First thing ties in a little bit with where Ruth started us off with, actually. Uh, delighting in God. So at the beginning of Proverbs, in chapter 1, it uh, talks about the fear of the Lord being the beginning of wisdom. So the ability to see who God really is with reverence and respect and awe and know who he is and Ruth said about then feeling small, kind of, you kind of recognize the right perspective that God is Lord and King of the universe. And delighting in that and who he is, is a great place to start when it comes to guarding our hearts. Because it's letting that right perspective in. Actually, if I start my day with the perspective of, good morning, King of the universe, I can relate to you this morning. 
that is so much more helpful for what you're letting into your inner world than scrolling through the news feeds, as Ruth was talking about. So actually letting us, our perspectives be shaped by the reality of who God is is really important as a starting point. And I was thinking we're going to be reading through the rest of Proverbs for the coming days. Um, so I thought I'd pull out just a few and think, how might that fit with this image of guarding our heart? So, chapter 12, verse 1. It says, to learn, you must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. And I guess normally we'd read that and we go, oh yes, that sounds very sensible. But actually, if we're reading that with the perspective of guarding our hearts, then we could do a little bit more work on reading that verse and actually thinking how it applies to us. Actually taking the time to think, do I love correction? How do I react when someone says, oh, I spotted you've done this, or you're behaving in that way, and I'm not sure that's quite right. How do we react, honestly? I don't think I could say I loved correction. So then it becomes a challenge and and a conversation with God. Well, actually, show me how, why do I react like that? How can I be more open to that correction? Another example in chapter 12, verse 18. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Eek, that's challenging. And again, remembering what Jesus said about the inner, internal um, existence of these things being just as important to guard against as the external. So even if those cutting words never leave my mouth, if they're in my heart, that is damaging. So how do we guard against that? And then finally, slightly more obscure one, chapter 14, verse 4, says, without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. Now again, normally I'd read that and go, okay, fine, I don't really have oxen, so I'm not sure that really applies to me. But actually, if you, do, if you think about what's it actually saying, well, it's saying if, if you don't have oxen, then you can have an easy life because you don't have to clean the stable. There's not going to be any looking after oxen for you. You can just lie back, put your feet up. But actually, if you don't have your oxen, then you're not going to get a harvest. Or at least you're not going to get a very effective large harvest because you're going to probably going to have to harvest by hand. So it's talking about what effort are we willing to put in to get results. We can't just sit back and expect an easy life to result in a fruitful harvest without any intentional pursuit of something. So again, thinking about my inner world, how willing am I to do that kind of work? How willing am I to put the effort in to get the harvest? Or do I kind of expect to have an easy life and get the harvest anyway? Challenging stuff I found as I was looking through these. So that's an example then of how you can use scripture to actually just start interrogating your inner world. And in conjunction with that, next one, Andy, it's really important to talk to God about it. This isn't, it requires a lot of self-awareness guarding your heart, but that's not always something that we can do on our own. We're not always fully aware of what's going on. And so actually talking with Jesus about it is so important. And I was ch- really challenged to think, how much do I talk to Jesus about those three elements of the heart that we looked at earlier? My thoughts, my feelings, and my desires. Do I talk to God about all of those things? Do I talk to him about none of those things? 
It's very easy in some, sometimes to get stuck in patterns, isn't it, of how we talk to God. But I felt very challenged that actually I should be talking to God about what I think. And I should be talking to him about how I feel. And I should be talking to him about what I want. And asking him to reveal to me my motivations under the surface. Asking him to help me curate them. Help me to shape them into something that looks like his heart. What he thinks about. What he feels. What he wants. And I was um, drawn to a few verses that talk about how Jesus is wisdom. So in 1 Corinthians 1... It says, for our benefit, God made him, that's Christ, to be wisdom itself. And in the prophet Isaiah, in chapter 11, he says, um, it says, out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of knowledge and might the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Which, remember, is very picked, it's picked up a lot of that Proverbs language about the fear of the Lord being the, the starting point for true wisdom and knowledge. And then in James, uh, James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. Now, I think I'd always read that and thought... Oh, okay, so I've got a decision to make, and I want wisdom, so I need to ask God what decision I should make, which, not a bad thing to do, and is, is part of it. But actually, if you combine that with the verses that we've just read that says Jesus is wisdom, effectively what we're asking when we're asking for wisdom is we're asking for Jesus, which I was so encouraged by to think, that actually, because we know that God says he will give the Spirit to those who, are, who ask for it. So if I'm asking for wisdom, I'm asking for Jesus. And God will give me Jesus. So talking with God about what's going on in our inner world is a vital way, I think, of learning how to guard our heart. He needs to show us. If we try and do it on our own, then we might do okay for a bit, and, but we might be addressing the, the real issues, and we might not be able to sustain that. And I was thinking another way of guarding our hearts I was reminded of the verse in Luke 2 about Mary who is responding to all that's gone on around the Christmas story and Jesus's birth and it says Mary treasured these things in her heart so she had experiences of how God had interacted with her in her life she'd seen him do things she'd heard from him directly and she didn't just forget about them she treasured them in her heart. She thought about them often. She would l- allow those to shape her future, what she did. You think then of the um, first miracle that Jesus did at, at the wedding, where he t- and Mary says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. That is shaped by the fact that she has treasured for years those things that God said about that Jesus was going to be. She's treasured that, and she's allowed that to shape her understanding of what the reality is, what the world is. So how do we treasure the things that God has said to us and done for us? And how do we allow that to um, affect our inner world? And then another, just another couple of ideas. I won't talk too long about these, but it's really important not to do this on our own. 
I think it, in some ways, I think I'd say it was pretty much impossible to do this on our own. In my experience, you know, if I've been struggling with things or if I've felt certain anxieties about things or if there's certain realities that I, I don't know what I'm doing with, it's so much harder when I'm on my own and don't see other people at all. Even if we don't talk about it, when I see the people, just being around other people who know Jesus is so important. And it's really helpful to um, kind of collectively curate our inner realities. So that might look like a mentor sort of relationship. You might have people who are older in the faith or older chronologically who can offer wisdom or who might be in a position you could invite to speak into your life um, and to speak in, in terms of correction or things that you might not be aware of yourself. And it might look like community in terms of church on a Sunday or small groups um, or prayer triplets, things like that. I was thinking when I was watching one of the latest David Attenborough programs, I was struck by how many times when they're talking about a predator, they say things like, oh yes, he's just waiting until there's a, a bird that's on its own or there's the weakest animal gets separated from the pack. And you see it happening on the screen. You're like, oh no, quick, get back to the others. And actually it's the same with us. We see, we, we're told that the devil prowls around. And if we're not connected, it makes it so much easier for him to get us off track. So let me encourage you, just on that note, if you're not um, part of a small group already, or if you're not and you'd like to be, then do speak to one of the elders. Maybe Anna's the elder that's been up the front this morning. I'm sure she'd be happy to talk to you about that. Um, and we can get you connected in with others. And then my final slide, I just wanted to touch on, and there's not time probably to, to talk a lot about this, but I wanted to touch on what do we do with the stuff that we realize is already in there? So we're well thinking, okay, I'm now going to guard and what's coming in and I'll let the right things in. But there's probably stuff in there that shouldn't be in there already. Um, I was thinking to continue the museum analogy. It's like the room at the back that's a bit dusty and it's got loads of things piled up in it. A bit like that. Sorry, you can't see that very clearly. It's sort of a pile of old furniture and bits and pieces. and It's all very dusty and no one's been in there for years by the looks of things. And you think, yeah, I think I've got a few corners like that in my inner world. What do we do with that? And it feels like that's probably a talk in itself. So I can't, I don't think we'll delve very deeply in that. But I think being aware and some of the concepts that we talked about, asking Jesus to reveal to us what some of those corners might have that needs to come out is the first step. And knowing that he is gentle and kind and compassionate, um, he doesn't sort of rip it all out all at once. But he can reveal to us, oh, actually, let's get this thing out into the light, dust it off and decide, does it stay or does it go? So asking him and praying with others is really important in that step. And also bringing things to the cross. There are probably things in all of our hearts that we've never really dealt with. I know there are in mine um, that we need to bring out into the open and ask Jesus to heal us from or for us to repent for attitudes or behaviors that have been part of our lives. So bringing them to the cross and offering them to Jesus and thanking him that he has already paid the price that we can be healed from that.